Dedicated missionary service returns a dividend of eternal joy, which extends throughout mortality and into eternity. I want it absolutely clear that I declared to the world in the most straightforward language I could summon that the Book of Mormon is true. True disciples of Jesus Christ are willing to stand out, speak up, and be different. If you're not a full-time missionary with a missionary badge pinned on your coat, now is the time to paint one on your heart. God has something unimaginable in mind for you personally and the church collectively. A marvelous work and a wonder. In this church, what we know will always trump what we do not know. Missionary work is an identifying feature of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Always has it been, ever shall it be. Let us be awake and not be wary of well-doing, for we are laying the foundation of a great work, even preparing for the return of the Savior. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I wanted to go over one of my favorite chapters from Preach My Gospel with you. But before I get into that, I think it's important to go over the idea that there are two elements working together when it comes to how you teach the gospel to others. The first element, of course, is you, and the second one is the Spirit of God. And both are necessary factors when sharing the gospel. You all already should know this. Without you in the equation, there is no one to share the gospel, but without the Spirit, then sharing the gospel would have no effect on anyone else. You are the one saying the words and sharing your witness of Christ, and the Holy Ghost is the one who is carrying those words to the hearts of those you are teaching. The Apostle Paul puts this really well in his letters to the saints in Corinth. Apparently, there were divisions among them based pretty much on who it was that taught them the gospel. Some were saying that they belonged to Paul because he was the one that gave them the gospel, and others were saying that they belonged to Apollos. Paul's response to all of this was this, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that gave the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. We see this analogy of a testimony of Christ being compared to growing plants all throughout the scriptures, and I think it's just awesome. With our own hands, we till the ground, we plant the seeds, and we water them. Those are the things that we can do. But the mysterious mechanism that allows the seed to grow and sprout up and become a plant is beyond our capability to control. This vital part of the process, this invisible force that allows the ingredients to work together to produce a plant, is what God controls. In other words, God is asking us to gather up the ingredients, and He will make them work together to produce the result. And we see this kind of thing happening with any other gospel principle as well. God asks us to pay tithing, and He promises to open the windows of heaven. He asks us to keep the commandments, and He promises to bless us with His Spirit. So, he asks us to preach his gospel, and he will carry our words to the hearts of those we are teaching. He gives us this promise in many places throughout the scriptures, but some of my favorites are those found in Doctrine and Covenants. In section 11, he says, 
Seek not to declare my word, but first seek to obtain my word. And then shall your tongue be loosed. Then, if you desire, you shall have my spirit and my word. Yea, the power of God unto the convincing of men. So here, Jesus is telling us that there are certain ingredients that we need to gather in order to declare his word with his spirit. He's saying that we can't just go out and do it without taking the proper steps. There are certain things that we need to do first to be able to share the gospel effectively. So yes, we should seek to share the gospel, but it's even more vital that we share it in such a way that will render it effective, meaning that our words are actually making it into people's hearts. It doesn't do any good if the gospel message is falling on deaf ears and hard hearts. Preach My Gospel says that teaching is central to everything you do. You develop Christ-like attributes, study the missionary lessons, improve your ability to speak the mission language, and rely on the Spirit in order to teach with convincing power. So not only should we be seeking to simply share the gospel, we should be seeking to teach it with convincing power. And without the Spirit, we cannot do that. And this is what chapter 10 of Preach My Gospel is all about. It shows us the skills that we can develop as missionaries to allow the Spirit to teach with convincing power. The First Presidency and the Twelve have stated that our purpose is to teach the message of the restored gospel in such a way as to allow the Spirit to direct both the missionaries and those being taught. By the way, if any of you are having a hard time trying to find some of these quotes and preach my gospel, it's because I am drawing from both editions. So keep in mind that some of the things that I'm going to share will be found from the old version of Preach My Gospel as well. There's some pretty significant changes in the new edition, so that's really cool. But at the same time, there's so much good stuff in the old edition too, so I'm going to be drawing from both. So in the previous edition, it says that by studying, developing, and using the teaching skills in chapter 10, you will become a more capable instrument in the Lord's hands. The Spirit will draw upon the knowledge and skills you have developed to help you teach more powerfully. So, in other words, you can't expect to just be able to go out there and teach very well if you don't try and develop skills in teaching. When you learn these skills, the Spirit will be able to direct you how to use them to teach with convincing power. Not only that, but your investigators will have a much easier time recognizing the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is going to have a much easier time testifying of your words. Okay, so Preach My Gospel expounds upon this a little bit more. It says, The quality and power of your teaching will help others understand and feel the importance the restored gospel has for them. Their understanding will also be influenced by how well you focus your attention on them, by how well you explain the gospel, use the scriptures, share your testimony, ask questions, and invite them to make and keep commitments. Okay, so there are all of these things like how well you can explain the gospel, use the scriptures, share testimony, ask questions, etc. that you need to learn how to do well to effectively teach the gospel. But it's also really important to keep in mind that at the same time, you're not trying to rely primarily on your own abilities. So just remember that as we go over some of these skills that are listed in Preach My Gospel, it is also vital that the Spirit is part of the equation. Okay, so the first thing that you need to learn how to do really well is to invite the Spirit as you begin teaching. If you were to go to the old edition of Preach My Gospel, this skill is simply called How to Begin Teaching. 
So these are the first crucial moments that you have with your investigator, and it's really important to set up expectations regarding your visits right off the bat. So this is something that you need to do before you actually start teaching the lessons. So you might start off by asking them what their expectations are regarding your visits, just so you can get an idea of why they decided to meet with you in the first place. Some people might tell you that they just didn't know how to say no to you. Others might say that they just think you are there to share a message. You might have some that were just curious and they wanted to learn about our beliefs. And if they happen to be one of those golden investigators, then they'll tell you that they want to change their life and join the church. Unfortunately, that's much more rare than common, but hopefully you'll get some of those too. But once you have a better idea of their expectations, the next step is to help them know what they can expect from your visits. Here are some ideas of different thoughts that you can express to them to do this. You can say things like, we all have challenges and struggles. No matter what you're going through, Jesus Christ and his teachings can help you. He can help you find peace, hope, healing, and happiness. Or you can say, we will be guides so you can learn the truth of our message for yourselves. We will invite you to do some things such as reading, praying, and attending church. Our role is to help you act on these invitations and explain the blessing you can receive. So please feel free to ask questions. Or we have been called by a prophet of God to share what we know. We know that our message is true. Or you will learn how to make changes in your life and follow Jesus Christ and his teachings. One essential teaching of Jesus Christ and the first covenant we make is to follow his example and be baptized by proper authority. When you can express thoughts like these in your first moments with your investigators, you will help them to understand why you are there and what they can expect from your visits. They need to know that you are there to teach truth and bring them closer to Christ by following his teachings. And of course, it's always important to give a simple overview of whatever lesson you are teaching. You need to help them see how the things that you will teach them are going to be relevant to them. So for example, if you are planning on teaching them about the restoration, you could say, we are here to share the message that Jesus Christ has established his church on earth today and has called living prophets to guide us. Or if you are planning on teaching them about the plan of salvation, you could say, we are here to help you know that God loves you and has a plan for your happiness. You don't need to do or say anything super extravagant. Just keep it simple and brief by using clear and concise language. For those of you who are learning a second language, this is going to be a lot easier for you because you aren't going to know how to say much else. And believe me, that's a good thing. Okay, let's move on to another skill. I don't think I'll have time to go through all of the ones that are listed in chapter 10, but I'll try to cover the ones that I found most useful as a missionary. Not that there are any that aren't useful, but these are just the ones that stand out the most to me. So the next one that I want to talk about is teaching for understanding. Put simply, you've got to teach the gospel so people will understand it. This sounds pretty self-explanatory, but I promise there's a lot more to it than you might think. Teaching for understanding is something that you're going to get better at over time, but let me give you a few helpful suggestions about how you can do this. The first thing that you need to learn how to do is put yourself in your investigator's shoes for a minute. You have to keep in mind that they most likely don't know anything about the church, which means that they are probably going to be pretty clueless about some of the words or phrases that you might say. There are also going to be a lot of ideas that you'll be sharing with them that might be difficult for them to grasp as well. 
Most people probably have a similar idea about who God is, but things like prophets and dispensations and Jesus's atonement might be new ideas for them. They've probably never learned anything about the plan of salvation or temples or ordinances, along with many other things that are just commonplace to us. And so you're going to need to be able to teach clearly enough so that they can understand. In order to be able to do this, you have to really know your stuff. Not so that you can teach them everything that there is to know about it, but so that you can teach them with simplicity. In order to be able to teach something in its simplest form, you have to know it deeply. President John Taylor said that it is true intelligence for a man to take a subject that is mysterious and great in itself and to unfold it and simplify it so that a child can understand it. This actually reminds me of that scene in The Office where Oscar is trying to explain to Michael that they have a surplus in their budget. For any of you that haven't seen it, he's like, we've got a surplus, so we need to spend it by the end of the year so they don't take it out of next year's budget. And Michael's like, explain it to me like I'm an eight-year-old because he's clueless of what a surplus is. I'm just going to play the rest of the scene here for you guys because it's gold. Why don't you explain this to me like I am an eight-year-old? All right, well, this is the overall budget for this fiscal year along the x-axis. Yes. Right there. There's the x-axis. You can see clearly on this page that we have a surplus of $4,300. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we have to spend that by the end of the day or it will be deducted from next year's budget. Why don't you explain this to me like I'm five? Your mommy and daddy give you $10 to open up a lemonade stand. So you go out and you buy cups and you buy lemons and you buy sugar. And now you find out that it only costs you $9. Oh. So you have an extra dollar. Yeah. So you can give that dollar back to mommy and daddy. But guess what? Next summer. I'll be six. And you ask them for money, they're going to give you $9. Because that's what they think it costs to run the stand. So what you want to do is spend that dollar on something now so that your parents think that it costs $10 to run the lemonade stand. So the dollar's a surplus. This is a surplus. So good. So good. But do you see what Oscar was able to do there? That's what you guys have to learn how to do with the gospel. There's a lot that might go over people's heads, and so you have to know it well enough to be able to break it down in its simplest terms. Preach My Gospel says that the more clearly you teach, the better the opportunity for the Holy Ghost to testify of truth. So keep in mind words or phrases or ideas that you might have to explain and know it all well enough to be able to keep it simple and brief. Let me give you a quick example of what this might look like. Let's say, for example, that you are teaching about the falling away after the Savior's ministry. This is obviously a huge chunk of history and whole books have been written about this time period, but you aren't there to teach every single thing that you know about it. Let me give you an example of how you can make this part of a lesson brief and simple. You could say, after Jesus' apostles died, there was a widespread falling away from the gospel and the church of Jesus Christ. During this time, people changed many gospel teachings. People also changed essential priesthood ordinances such as baptism. Priesthood authority and the church that Jesus had established were no longer on the earth. Boom. That's it. That's all that needs to be said about it. You don't need to take a deep dive for people to get the idea. One more thing that you can do to really help people understand is to ask them questions about what you have just taught. No, this isn't an interrogation. You aren't trying to bust them for not listening. You just want to help them think about what you are teaching. So to do this, you could simply ask if they would be willing to share with you their understanding of what you just explained. Or you could ask them, 
How would you summarize our conversation today? Simple as that. And this is going to give you a better gauge of where they are at and if you need to spend some more time on a particular subject or idea. So this leads me to the next skill, which is to ask inspired questions. The difference between just a regular question and an inspired question is that inspired questions are the right questions asked at the right times. When you can learn how to do this, it'll really help people learn and feel the spirit. Like with all things, Jesus gives us a perfect example of how to ask inspired questions. If you look at how he taught, it is clear that he would use questions to really get people to think about what he was teaching and how to apply his teachings. So as a missionary, you should seek to follow the same pattern with your questions. Preach My Gospel gives us some principles that we can follow to ask such questions and great examples of questions that you could ask. So one important principle with this is to ask questions that help people to feel the Spirit. When you ask such questions, you are inviting your investigators to share their feelings. And as they do so, they will discover a growing testimony. So let's just say, for example, that you've just taught them that God is our loving Heavenly Father. One question that you could ask them after you've just taught this is, how have you felt God's love for you? When they really try to think about this question and answer it, the Spirit will be able to more powerfully testify to them of the truth that you've just taught because they will find evidence in their life that God really does love them. As you can see, the timing of this question is really important too. It's going to be most effective when it's set up in a way to further solidify the principle that you have just gone over with them. Another important principle to follow is to ask questions that will help people be able to take what you have taught them and apply it. An example of a great question that will do this might be, as we have talked, what have you felt impressed to do from what you have learned? When you ask them this, they will think about the promptings that they are getting from the Holy Ghost and they'll know how to act on them. To further help you have a better idea of what an effective question is, let me give you some examples of questions that are not so effective. Ineffective questions are questions that have obvious answers, include more than one idea, they don't have a clear purpose, or they pertain to something that you've not even taught them yet. So a question with an obvious answer might be, is it important to keep God's commandments? This question has a simple yes or no answer, and the answer is obvious, so probably a good idea to stay away from ones like this. These kinds of questions are not going to help them think, and it won't teach them anything. Here's another one. How will keeping our bodies pure help us have the spirit and show that we are willing to follow a prophet of God? Okay, so this might sound like an okay question at first, but it contains more than one idea, and so it's not exactly clear what you are asking. Let's try another one. Who was the next prophet after Noah? So not only might this question make your investigator feel embarrassed because they might not know the answer, but it also serves no purpose. It's not really important for your message. They don't need to know who the prophet after Noah was. It doesn't really have anything to do pertaining to your message. Okay, here's another one. How do you feel about the Book of Mormon? So this is one of those questions that can actually be a great question and also a not so great one. It all depends on when you ask them. If you ask them this question before they've even read it, then they can't give you a real answer. All these rules might seem obvious, but knowing about them and actually practicing them are two different things. It's a good idea to plan ahead of time what questions you could ask your investigators and when. You might have some great questions come to you on the spot on occasion, but you'll get better at the skill of knowing how to ask effective questions when you actually incorporate them into your lesson plans ahead of time.
Okay, and the last skill I want to talk about is to listen. Preach My Gospel says that when you listen carefully to others, you understand them better. When they know that their thoughts and feelings are important to you, they are more likely to be receptive to your teachings, share personal experiences, and make commitments. I think this is one of the hardest skills for new missionaries to learn because they get so caught up on what they are going to say next. They worry so much about trying to say the right things and not saying anything that might make them sound stupid. I mean, we're all like this all the time. We just want to be understood. But Jeffrey R. Holland taught that more important than speaking is listening. These people are not lifeless objects disguised as a baptismal statistic. Ask these friends what matters most to them. What do they cherish? And what do they hold dear? And then listen. If the setting is right, you might ask what their fears are, what they yearn for, or what they feel is missing in their lives. I promise you that something in what they say will always highlight a truth of the gospel about which you can bear testimony and about which you can then offer more. If we listen with love, we won't need to wonder what to say. It will be given to us by the Spirit and by our friends. This is going to be a lot easier said than done, though. Being a good listener might come naturally to some, but for the rest of us, we have got a lot of work to do if we want the skill. Something that I personally do to try and become a better listener is just to listen to conference talks. Reading them is great in so many ways, but listening to them also provides many great benefits as well, one of which is being able to become a better listener. Listening to conference talks is a great way to practice just being able to sit and give someone your undivided attention without letting distractions get in the way of what they are sharing. When you are a missionary, you are going to have to put in some effort and concentration to really listen to your investigators. And just like how Elder Holland has pointed out, when you really listen to them, instead of trying to think about what to say next, you won't need to worry about what to say because it's going to be given to you. So here are some useful tips about how you can do this. The first one is to allow people time to think and respond. This means that when you ask a question, hopefully an inspired one, you pause to give the person a chance to think and respond. A lot of us might be afraid of silence. If you are one of those people, you've got to throw that fear out of the window. Silence in these circumstances is a great thing. So if someone is taking a second to think and respond, don't interrupt them and give them time to complete their thought. The next tip is to confirm that you understand what people are saying to you. They aren't going to know if you are really listening and interested in what they are saying if you don't ask clarifying questions. For example, you might ask, so what you're saying is fill in the blank. Is that right? Or if I understand correctly, you are feeling that fill in the blank. This will help them feel like what they are saying is important to you and that you really are listening. Now, there are also going to be plenty of situations where you'll have someone that talks so much that you don't have any time to teach anything, or they might be steering the conversation in the wrong direction. You might also have people that just want to argue. Every one of these situations is going to be different, but generally, you are going to want to handle it tactfully and with love. So if you do find yourself in one of these situations, you might be able to adapt what you are teaching to something that they said. Or you could politely say that you can discuss their concern at a different time. You might be able to say something like, We appreciate what you are sharing with us, but this is an issue we would like to discuss later. I will write it down so we will be sure not to forget to treat it on a later visit. 
So along with listening, you need to also be able to teach them what you are there to teach, which means that on occasion, you might need to steer the conversation in the right direction. So there are several other skills that are talked about in chapter 10 of Preach My Gospel that I haven't gone over today. But what I was really trying to do was help you guys see that effective teaching can be a lot of hard work and it requires concentrated effort. Developing different teaching skills is what will help you to be able to teach with the spirit most effectively. And guys, don't feel overwhelmed if you don't feel like you have developed any of these skills as much as you would like to. To a certain extent, much of the practice that you will get with learning these skills will be in the field. But there are also many things that you can do now to practice as well. You can simply take one of these skills that I have just gone over and try and see how you can apply it in your daily interactions. If any of you want some more help or clarification with any of these skills or some of the other ones from Preach My Gospel, please feel free to reach out to me. If not, then I'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Peace.